2: Hey there Nick's fans. How you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Wednesday. It's our midweek show, um, and for the second week in the wo- in the ro- in a row, um, if I could just get the words out, um, we have Jeremy Cohen joining us for an additional episode um, because uh, he is the bridge, the bridge that is connecting the great divide in Knicks Twitter, in Nick's in the Knicks universe, the one between myself. And the man you know as Schwinnie Poo, Um, he is the host of uh, Pod Strickland. He is, um, uh, all kidding aside, he's a a great guy Uh, and uh, someone I consider a good friend. He joins the show today. Um, We talk, we look back at some stuff that we said before the season. We um, yell and scream about uh, a certain Nick Point guard. Um, And uh, we get into a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, the most important thing to note is This is the first of a two-part episode. So after you are done listening um, to this episode, um, go ahead and check out the Pod Strickland feed. And you will be able to find um, part two of this episode dropping. um, I'm pretty sure it's dropping uh, tomorrow. Um, So... Oh, it is, it is dropping later today. It is dropping later today. Sorry. As my wonderful producer, shout out to Andrew Claudio. He's the man, um, is reminding me to say. So uh, I've spoken enough. Um, without further ado, myself, Jeremy Cohen, and Schwenk. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, he gets, he gets uh, such an official intro. Well, one person gets an official intro. One person you know, and that is Jeremy Cohen. Um Jeremy, hello, sir. How are you? I'm great, John. How are you? Um I am I am good. I am um I am prepared to get yelled at. Um because <laughs> joining me now, joining us now. you already on know. The <laughs> film... <laughs> just joining just us now laugh. <laughs> on the next film school podcast. Um, he is uh the host of uh Pod Strickland. Um the um the 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 hottest sensation in nicks niche podcasting i think it's fa- it's fair to say biggest uh, asshole maybe <laughs> <laughs> as my my daughter is never like this and she's like literally crawling all over me i think it's because i have you on um <laughs> poo uh hello sir how are you
1: i'm good i'm good uh i'm not coming from MSD headquarters like some of us but uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm happy that it is today and not yesterday. I, I don't have to remember that Alfred Payton decided that he was fucking Gary Payton. Um, and yeah, that was that's good to go.
2: Um, so before we before we get in, so t- uh, today's episode, um, we figured what better time uh, to do a little uh, reflecting and projecting uh, so we're going to revisit some some predictions that we all made or I guess more accurately Schwinn is going to revisit some predictions that I made and <laughs> yell at me for them um, and then we're going to actually look forward um, to the weeks months uh, perhaps even years ahead and, and see what we could come up with as far as um, some things that we think are going to happen before we get there though uh, Jeremy I, I have to ask as your you're like George Costanza right now. Your two lovers are, it's like, oh my God, caught in my own web of lies. Yep. So what hat are you wearing right now? Are you wearing the Pod Strickland hat? Are
3: you wearing the Knicks Film School hat? I just uh, need to know this. I'm wearing the marine biologist hat, John. Um, the sea was angry that day, my friends, like an old man ordering soup. That is my hat. I'm sticking to it. Um, it's going to be great. But yeah, I thought like I am. I'm the connector. And yet I'm not because the fact that you guys get to yell at each other or Schwinn gets to yell at you has been brewing for quite some time. So I get a front row seat to it. It's beautiful. I I, I feel blessed. I feel like this is the best George Costanza could ever be.
1: It's, um, he's, J- Jeremy's wearing one of those like 50-50 jerseys right now. <laughs> but
3: i'll decide based on yeah but i'll decide based on the end of the, the day how i'll feel like maybe i'll be more 75 25 it all depends on uh on how things go about
2: so the so the so the pressure's really on um so for the for anybody who doesn't know uh schwinn uh obviously hosts uh the Podstrick and pod which is which is awesome and he's um jeremy has been hosting with him for a little bit now um and uh they have takes we have takes on here so we're try to blend some of those takes together um how do we want to start this off i mean i feel like we all made different different
1: let's start start talking about alfred payton
2: yeah we could start talking about alfred payton so let's actually let's go back to where we all stood on alfred payton before the season started because i think it'd be fair to say that he is He's been the biggest lightning rod of conversation over the course of the first half of the season. Um,
1: Is it a lightning rod if like everybody other than, you know, I test fucking Tommy D Twitter uh, like agrees that he's just not a good player. Like he's not he's real forgetting if he's a good player or not. He's just not good for the Knicks. Like, yeah, is that fair? Like, can we all just agree? I think everybody even his the people that defend him agree with that mostly. So I don't think that's like a very controversial thing.
2: No, it's, it's, no, it's not controversial Well, maybe lightning round was the wrong term. He's been the, the, the topic of the most negative conversation, <laughs> I think would be the, the easiest way to put it, you know, and I'm obviously the one who has to wear this because I, I got mad at everybody, um, for, for having the audacity to get mad that they resigned this guy for $4.7 million. Um, I didn't think it would be this bad. Um, I don't. I guess some people did think he would be this bad.
1: Did you think he would be this bad, Shwin? No, I actually. So, like, my issue with it was because you, I think, when you tweeted it out, what your take was was like the reason why guys don't want to come to New York is because like we were aggressively shitting on them. Oh, on that that's an
2: oversimplification. It was. It may be. Noted.
1: But but this is a. You know, I'm 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 not here to to paint a good picture of you pal i'm not here to talk Uh, about the past (laughs) not here to talk about the past um but no like that was that was more or less i think what my issue was with anything i didn't like the signing i thought that they could have just like been like okay no we're just gonna roll with what we like these young guys and figure it out um and i also thought that like i mean but ultimately the way i thought of it was like okay they wanted to have a veteran steady hand, somebody they could just like bank on being like, this is what he's going to do every night. Um, and they just went with the guy they knew who like, you know, look for even now for all the shit I have said about him. And I don't think he's like everybody's favorite on the team, but he's not like a problem. He's not a locker room <laughs> cancer or anything like that. I don't think anybody's like, I hate Alfred Payton, um, other than us, obviously. Um, Us meaning the
2: collective Nick fan. Yeah, exactly.
1: But like, yeah, I I didn't know. I definitely didn't think he'd be this bad. I thought, I mean, like who could predict that he would just become a substantially worse distributor? Like that's, that's ultimately the biggest problem right now is it's not just like he's not providing spacing because we knew that coming in, like that was not on the table, but he's not passing the ball well at all. And like, I know that Tibbs, I'm sure that Tibbs, has told, I know what he wants from his guards. Cause he's always wanted his point guards to be scorers and penetrators and kind of like uh, up the it's ante, for, right? For pressure like, on the rim. That's all. Yeah. Like he's always wanted that, but I think he's taking that too literally. I, I don't think when Tibbs is like, look to score, that means ignore everything other than trying to score. Um, and it, it feels <laughs> like a lot of times that he has completely lost the balance. And, I don't know what's going on. Like the, the thing with him and RJ is just weird. Like, I don't, I don't know what that's about. Um, and like, it's what, something though. It's yeah, a thing. It's, it's definitely something. And what is also interesting is I feel like half the time when I watch him on the floor with Randall. Now I feel like Randall wants to fucking punch his lights out. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. I, I didn't, I can't say I thought that signing was terrible when it happened. I still don't think it's terrible. I think Tibbs is making it terrible. Um, And that is a Tibbs issue, which is like, if you're the front office, this should be information you bank away when you're making future moves, because you have to be now picking up on like, what are his tendencies, regardless of like, does Tibbs know the meaning? Tibbs' tendencies, yeah, but yeah. Like, I'm sure he knows the data. I'm sure he knows. Oh yeah, that the you know the lineups with Elf suck, and I'm I'm sure he's aware of that, but. He also knows that Peyton is able to penetrate consistently and get into the paint, and ultimately he is going to err on the side of that over like i q being a rookie and so yeah, it's for us we're like, oh my God, like these fifteen games that he's had where he looks like fucking Jesus Shuttlesworth um are the most amazing thing ever, but like. Tibbs is like, yeah, but like those other, you know, 20 games and he looks like a rookie, I don't want to deal with that. And I'm just going to keep this really shitty, like, you know, you know, you guys ever have like those childhood like like a blanket your mom made for you when you were young or something. That just oh, yeah! Forever. I saw. I it's use it that. for my for my kids now. Yeah. But yeah, but it's like it's like you probably used that for way too long when you were growing up, and it's like, well, that's what Alfred is like. We've outgrown the need for Alfred Payne because because at Tibbs's behest and his requests at his like, you know, call bullying of Brock Oller and calling him Hinky. They went and got him Derrick Rose. Okay, so you've got Derrick Rose. You've got Quickly. We've seen him run Burks at point. There's enough options here at this fucking point in the season with this fucking roster and everybody fucking healthy that we don't need to start Alfred Payton, and we don't need to grandfather him in every night for 15 to 20 minutes and literally punt on what feels like the first seven or eight minutes of each half.
3: Society um, has advanced past the point of needing <laughs> Alfred Payton. And I think also, yeah. I agree with what you're saying, Schwin, in terms of the drives. It'd be better if, if Alfred Payton passed on more than 30% on his drives, which is an absurdly low rate because if he's going to get to the hoop and he's not going to convert and he's not going to pass, then he's just clogging the paint and missing and then leading to fast break opportunities the other way. So, yes, I, I think it as well, like I was probably – I would be in the middle between where we were if memory serves. Like I remember John and I were discussing how at least I certainly didn't like it, but I got that it was the best of the shit heap. And it still feels that way because, you know, Teague, Wanamaker, Shabazz, Napier, like all those guys that really wouldn't have done much. They still are either not doing much or they're not employed. So I got it. It was more just like, all right. And, And I was actually listening back to our podcast, John, right before the season. Because With I was curious like, Knicks or, or, no, for, uh, uh, for Nick's home school. Oh, okay. Because I was why, curious. Why are,
1: you, like, why are you coming for Alex Wolf's podcast, man?
2: Only because, <laughs> no, because we did a predictions podcast. That's what I figured Jeremy was referencing. But anyway, yeah,
3: I have, I would have to go back to listen to that too, but I was thinking of just the one that you and I were on. Yeah, um, okay. And there were some gems in there. It was great, but yeah, They're just the gems. idea of where it's like, we felt that quickly had proved himself or proved yep. himself to the point where he could be a starter <laughs> Tibbs obviously does not love rookies, so nor does he like them starting. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, there's the Derrick Rose acquisition, which I think also affects the trade deadline because the Knicks still made that deal. It's not like they just have had no roster turnover since the season began. So improvements are made, I agree, but it is worth noting, as as you're saying, Schwinn, how Tibbs is going to utilize these guys because if Alfred Payton is going to have a worse year than he did last year, and last year wasn't fun – to a degree that not even we would have expected. That's something we have to consider with the crop of free agents not being great, how you make those upgrades, him not trusting younger players. um, Maybe the Knicks being more hesitant towards trading for someone. So right then and there, it's like, well, what options do you really have left? And I think that's something that we need to pay attention to moving forward um, and keep a close eye on for the rest of the season to see how these roles might play out.
2: Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, Schwinn, you you vocalize it as, as well as anyone could vocalize it. Why? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I we as Color for as colorfully. much as we for <laughs> as much as we fuck around with each other, I, we very rarely disagree with each other on substantive like basketball takes. I'm not going to stand here and be like, yes, Alfred Payton's great. We're just all <laughs> misreading the situation. Um, I personally think and I thought it was really um, illustrative uh, when Austin Rivers, uh, when he had the, uh, the one interview, I think, before we last well, the last time we heard from him when he was like, yeah, I heard the Rose stuff in the preseason. It's like it was only a matter of when Rose was going to get traded here. My guess is that the front office figured like, look, speaking to Tibbs, like, look, we can't they're, they're asking price right now is too high. Detroit wants to see if maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle with their signings and fucking have something. Give it a few weeks. We'll get Rose. By that point, you'll have an excuse to ditch Peyton and, um you know, do whatever the hell you want. And I think because they had a better record, and this is the other thing, and I've I've reported this, I'm sure other people have too, that like they didn't think they were gonna be this this good. So I think the real issue is that if you're if you're Tibbs, how like how do you turn around and and bench your starting point guard who has quote unquote Big air, big air quotes here led you, led you, big air quotes, but, to a to a 25 and 25. Re- well, now 25 and 26 record. I'm not saying it's justifiable, but I could see that being the reason because and you want to know why I could see that being the reason? Because my in my mind, I can't think of another one. There's no other one that even conceivably makes sense. Because I here's what here's what I don't reason. think. Br- briefly, here's what I don't think. I don't think Tibbs is stupid. I don't think Tibbs is, is watches film and sees like something that's not real. He <laughs> sees the defense as not being an actual real good thing. I don't give a fuck what he says in his post-game press conference. Yeah, I, I, you, I don't you know. Care it
1: so like what's the reason? If do you have another reason, Shrew? I, I, I think the reason is, and I don't I don't know if it's a Tibbs thing. I don't know if like the front office has, you know, told him like I do think it matters that him and Julius Randle have the same agent. I definitely think that matters, Julius I,
2: and, and Alfred.
1: Yeah, that is not some like I know that people don't want to hear that, and they like oh it should just be based on merit. It's like shut the fuck up. This is not like little baby basketball. Like this is a business. You have to kiss some ass to to get you know the deal you want. And and look, let's be real. If if the price of getting Julius to extend this off season instead of waiting for next off season is oh, be- we have to bear through. Oh, you know, it this is like us, right? This is this is like in Shawshank when he's coming out of the fucking jail. That is what the season can't. of starting Alfred Payne is. It's just like 72 so games shit. of shit. Yeah. But at the end of the shit, if you're like, yeah, but Julius Randall is gonna lock in at a much lower price. And and that gives you like a clarity of of mind, right? Because like as nice as the season has been, I think there's still a lot of like uncertainty of what the Knicks are going to do if Julius Randle locks in at the end of the season now you're like okay Randall and RJ for sure those are two guys that you're like these are you know whatever we're doing these two guys are central to whatever we're doing yeah so everything so it gives you kind of like you know two pillars to just be like, okay, now we know what we need around them. Right. You need, you know, you need shooting, you know, you need an actual fucking primary, a penetrating guard, whatever, but you know, these things that you need. Um, So I think like that is part of it. I also think part of it is like Tibbs is an old school guy. Okay. And, and who did Tibbs, you know, learn from, who did he come up under? Right. It came, he came from Jeff Van Gundy. What is the craziest, most frustrating bullshit stuff that jeff van gundy did after the marcus canby trade you can go back and
4: watch those playoff games know. yeah this fucking Started guy chris dudley
1: this fucking guy would play ewing and like and ewing like this is not prime patrick ewing at this point we're talking about, we're talking about like ewing who was clearly her clearly not the same guy and chris dudley who is chris Dudley, and he, <laughs> you can you could literally poor I'm, chris Dudley wherever he is out there i think he's actually made a nice living for himself after basketball i'm sure yeah. i yeah being a fucking maga republican um but like he's a, he's a congressman right yeah he's maga yeah, okay. uh, and but like like if you go back you, you can literally I, i'm telling you go back and watch some of those miami playoff games or the playoff games in 99 there are games where like he's literally like is killing it but he he's not allowed to come in the game until like the start of the second quarter or the start, it's the same shit. He's from the same, he, he believes the same things. That's why every single time Jeff Van Gundy says something about a player in the Knicks or about the Knicks generally or anything, you should listen because they clearly still talk. They're clearly best buddies. So, so when, so when Jeff Van Gundy before the season is saying stuff like, Oh, I don't know about Mitchell Robinson. And then all of a sudden it's like, and then all, but all of a sudden in the middle of the season, Tibbs changes his tune on Mitchell Robinson, that should tell you, like, yeah, no, no. Mitch did something. Like, he's done something since Tibbs has been there that has made Tibbs, to some extent, revisit his opinion or yeah. what he thought of Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I do think that there's stuff going on with the whole Peyton shit that that is beyond just, like, yeah. And I also think like, yeah, you're probably right. I, I think there's like these, a lot of these older school coaches, I think have this like a whole, you know, like loyalty to fucking the guys that got us here kind of shit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know why he thinks Alfred Payne got them there. I think you could argue that Payton got them there, but not in a positive way. Um,
2: but no, yeah. I, I, if anyone's arguing that Alfred Payton has, has helped their efforts this season, I'm not, i apologize i don't agree with you um just today that-
3: for what it's worth i had the same thought Schwin. in terms of like if you keep alfred is that going to help julius lock into something better something beneficial but then i had the thought of like well what if it doesn't what if now we've had alfred payton playing meaningful yeah, basketball for a team right and then it's the idea of well why does leon rose have to say like throw a bone to caa and aaron mince to be like here look what we did for your boy elf because this guy ran caa so it's not like he has to give yeah, why back. why can't he them. just
1: already gold them man why can't I, he just i agree
3: <laughs> um the only
2: other the only other thing i'll like, throw out like, there you know
1: that you know that scene where he like right like the guy gets eye surgery and he's right he writes on the on the wall he's like he's like can you read this and it just says get the fuck out that's what he needs to do to alfred Alfred bade oh my god i would be i
2: would love to just watch but you're but the reality of the situation is i think we all agree and, and then we'll move on to some of our other things that we said about some other players you just brought up on this team before the season um I think we we all agree that the best version of this team it doesn't have Alfred Payton coming off the bench. It has Alfred Payton out of the rotation, and, and he's rolling with you know Burks quickly, um, Frank, and that's that's why I think last night was so frustrating seeing um, you know Kyrie just like what's the what's the meme um, where the children are on like the guy's lap uh, or like the child is on the guy's lap. It's like
3: I'm your I'm your daddy that type of thing. Oh, it, it's not the lap. It's like. Oh, on the Before on the can. on the shoulder there I, it is. Children yes. should be nowhere near the lap in that meme. But I know what you're saying. Yes. Well, whatever. It's kids in it. Okay. So that was Kyrie.
2: Kyrie had Alfred on his on his shoulders. No, um, I,
1: but not not in not in Alfred paint. Like I, I I'm sorry. I just got to say like that was the most ridiculous. I've been fuming about this the entire day. Messaged, you messaged you messaged
2: me last night. You're like I am going to have a rant. So that's why I, I was prepared for this.
1: I could not. Oh, my God. Like, I cannot understand. You are getting absolutely fucking roasted the entire night by Kyrie Irving. There's one play right in the beginning of the first quarter where Peyton is, like, trying to, like, get all up, you know, right on Kyrie, bully him, push him around. That's fun. And and then, and and like, mind you, Kyrie is not a big guy. Kyrie just bodies him into this, like, under the rim and makes a layup. That's, like, just. Get the fuck out of my face with this shit. I can't deal. This guy's entire thing that everybody, oh, his defense is so good. What fucking defense does he play? Who is he locked down? Name me a star player. Alfred Payne is locked down. I can't think of one. I know that we got a motherfucker on the bench who did that shit when he was a string bean at age 19 at the garden, 2-1 Kyrie Irving, okay? Like, we saw this shit a month ago. The, The Nets were just, toying with the Knicks, absolutely toying with them. They had a Harden play the entire game, and they had Kyrie on the floor. Frank comes on the floor, and neither of those guys wanted anything to do with him. They could not get past him. They don't want anything to do with him. And you can go back, and you can watch every single time Frank has come up against James Harden or come up against Kyrie Irving. He gives those guys problems. and It makes them work.
2: Whereas last night, Kyrie Irving was looking at Alfred Payton like a like a buffet.
1: Randall um, made him work harder than Alfred. He Payton did.
2: He did. And and, and, and and for and for the clip about, you know, Kyrie, uh, you know, like faking Randall out of his shoes that one time like that was the exception, not the rule. Randall, like, kept it honest in front of in front of Kyrie uh, last night. And, but it was right there for them. They didn't they didn't take. And oh, the reasoning why the other the last reasoning I think that Tibbs might have is. Just the notion of like, and again, this is—I don't want to get into a whole thing, but like the notion of set roles, right? Which is why we don't see Randall at the five. Which is why, if you're going to have a penetrating, like, okay, you, but but like, no, that's
1: bullshit, though, because if he believes in that, he has literally changed Frank's role like five times in the last month. Okay, Frank out of necessity,
2: I think. Okay, when when there's been injuries,
1: is winning games a necessity? Because well, I a think, nece- but
2: like, I think he sees him at when if if with a fully healthy rotation. I think we can see Frank is a wink.
1: He needs to get LASIK then because I don't <laughs> care. Like what is elf like elf? Like if you can move around Frank's role and you can move around Kevin Knox's role and you can randomly use Kevin Knox at the four because the Bucks are playing zone defense and you need to stretch the floor out. Like if you can do these things with them, why the fuck can't you do it with the experienced vet who's been through all this shit and has experienced yes. way more? I think that's a cop out. I won't accept it. I think I think like, you know why. Because yeah,
2: Alfred's like, an older guy who's like with the agents in the whole
1: thing. But a fucking loser.
2: Like <laughs> I don't a, care. Like I, Alfred Bain, is, if you're out there, what's the fake Twitter handle
1: that we are all convinced? Alfred six or something? Six? Or like Nick's no, it's sixty three. Sixty three. If you're
2: out there listening or whatever, we. we I, but, I I could say that you're a my, nice my, guy. But my that's last
1: it. my last thing that I will say. Right, I've heard this argument too. Is that Alfred. He, he does what Tibbs wants him to do. He plays his role. He listens to instructions. If that is that the case, if that is the case, then last night is proof that that is horseshit because yeah. the Knicks made a comeback in the fourth, which they shouldn't have even been down in that game. I'm not trying to pin this on Alfred Payne. They didn't lose the game because Alfred Payne. They lost the game because in the third quarter, I mean, I guess kind of Elf, but like it was Elf, RJ, and Randall decided in the third quarter they needed to turn the ball over as much as possible. Um and but, Rose couldn't shoot for shit. Yeah, and Rose couldn't shoot like for shit. And then in the fourth quarter, they decided they should not get any rebounds. Um, but they, they close the gap because they're down 109-103. Okay, and then Tibbs is just like, you know, fuck this defense. We're just going to double Kyrie as soon as he gets across half court every single time. Yeah. And so they do this, they get like four or five stops in a row. And then Elf, you know, I was actually, I was so ready to like, be like, man, Elf had really nice stretch from Elf here. Cause he hits a couple of baskets, yeah, gets a couple, couple of baskets, of, yep. the two point game. And then he comes down and he does his Gary Payton shit. where like, <laughs> he's just turns around and he's like, no, I don't need help. I, I got this. I got, I got this, this guy. <laughs> I got this. And, and Kyrie, uh. I, I swear I could see like the drool coming out of his mouth because he was just like, is this a joke? Like I've been killing everybody one-on-one and now you've got this guy on me who doesn't even have his crazy floppy hair anymore to distract me. Uh, he like he just and then he just killed. Him. But like he literally changed the defensive play call on his own. Okay, and and I know that like I think you or Jeremy or maybe both of you tweeted about like how Tibbs nodded. I think in that situation, it's, I did sure. Tibbs can't be like. I don't think he's gonna start screaming like fuck you. Like get off. Like it's just not gonna happen. I think he's like all right, elf. Like it's it just it's too late. That's what's happening now. Okay, fine. Um. And, you know, and it, what happened happened. And and the Knicks lost a heartbreaker. And there were other reasons for it. But that play right there, like that's an indication that he's not just like this fucking saint who just like well, if you. You, you want to know who does ev- exactly what Tibbs want? What will do exactly what Tibbs wants every single time he's on the floor? Frank Nelokina. Frank Nelokina. If, <laughs> if Tibbs tells him to go out there and take a <laughs> shit on at, at half court, I promise you, Frank is taking an x lax for the game and taking a shit at half court.
3: Um, Jeremy, what were you going to say? It almost feels like players like Frank or even Knox are penalized because they're versatile. Like they can play in different roles. And yet, because these other guys are stationary in what they can do, they're the ones who get preference. And also because of the fact that they are older and it feels like what was the main goal here? The main goal has been, yes, obviously win games, but we want to see development through it. And when you have a player like Frank, who is in the last year of his contract, when you have someone like Knox, who like, who knows what's going to be next year when he's in his last year, how you're going to go about doing that. It'd be nice to incorporate them into the fold when your other guys are struggling. And Tibbs's agreement when Elf was like, no, no, I got this. I can handle Kyrie to be like, yeah, you got it. It's on you. And then we see that he sinks a three, the game's over. And we just know that there aren't going to be any repercussions of any sort. It's really, it's really frustrating as a fan to watch. And you know, so one of the things I actually managed to look up Uh, With Julius on and Elf on, there have been 2,104 possessions. The differential has been negative 2.7. That's the 38th percentile. But with Randall on and Alfred Payton off, 1,540 possessions, not that far off from from both of them together. Differential of plus 8.2. That's 90th percentile. So again, it's like the math is there. Tibbs is fully aware of it. And it seems like they're, there's this um, kind of like unspoken rule of of going in. And I know that Popper asked the question, but it seems like a lot of beat writers might be a little bit more respectful because they don't want it to come across as
4: critical. you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. ...sizing
3: Tibbs because that might not be the way about it, especially in a Zoom call. But it's, it's right there. It's so evident that it just hurts to see games that are winnable Just turn into losses because the margin of error is so small. And I understand, you know, like the reality is that the Knicks finishing sixth versus ninth or 10th, like it's not really going to matter. But it does in the sense that sixth, you avoid the plan completely. And then seven through 10, they're still seeding. You can get home court advantage. You can only play one play in game versus two. There's a lot that's going well, on and it, and it just sucks to see the opportunities fall by the wayside because of a player who will not be here long-term.
2: I think it matters. The I think every win matters. And I think that's a good transition to um, a couple of other guys on the roster. So um, I looked this up earlier uh, today. Um, another appears a prediction that I had, this is in, this is in black and white. I wrote this in my appropriately named uh, newsletter before the season. Um, predictions, predictions. Um, my first one, R.J. Barrett will lead the league in minutes and Julius Randle will finish in the top 10. So um, as of right now, Julius Randle has played more minutes than n- anybody in basketball. Um, R.J. Barrett is, uh, I think, fifth or fifth, fifth or sixth. Fifth. Yes. Yeah. Um, however, um, if you look up second half minutes played, so minutes played in the second halves of games, Julius Randle is still first. And it's it's the the gap between uh, first and second there is actually a, a, within a minute or two um, different than the gap between first and second for overall minutes played. So really, the brunt of the the minutes are are in the second half. And second is RJ. So no two players in the NBA have played more second half minutes than Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. I think to your point, Jeremy, Tibbs, like the notion that like. Wins like every win is worth its weight in in gold to this man, and I think we're seeing now potentially um, that mentality to you know the the downside of having that mentality rearing its ugly head. Um, you know, it's, we all just had... look at
1: just look at the minutes distribution last. Like since Elf has come back, the minutes distribution has made me want to fucking like punch. Well, what what in it.
2: particular about it has has Qu- quickly gets you.
1: Thir- quickly got oh, quickly playing last less. Night. Yeah, Toppin has like he actually played well. He actually looked okay, and he can't get an uptick in minutes because the like our, the Minnesota game is a perfect example. It's a perfect example of this. The Knicks are up thirteen. Okay, Uh Minnesota makes some they get like an and one because they put Obi in a pick and roll with Taj, whatever. It cuts the lead to 10. Obi played well in that game. He was actually yeah, doing well in that game. He was good. His reaction, his reaction, his adjustment in that moment, isn't to do, isn't to call a timeout and just gather everybody and be like, Hey, look, if they run that pick and roll again, do this shit. It's immediately got to get, got to take Obi out and put Randall in. And then within a possession after that, IQ's last contribution to the game is basically to dive on the floor to get a steal okay and then he comes out and the rest of the game is just vets and RJ and basically like if you look at the minutes over the last you know however many games since Alfred Payne has come back it's become increasingly just vets and RJ and it's like Obi is playing last and quickly has struggled I'm not like debating that he definitely has not been as good as he was you know for most of the like I say, the last month or so. He's struggled. Let's say post all
2: struggled. but really in particular, the, the last six games, I, I think I looked up today. I think he's shooting under 30% from the field. The last six yeah, games. So, right. it's, so that's not been great.
1: So my point though, is like, it feels like, okay, when I, when quickly struggles, he gets held account. He's held accountable for it. And that is fine. And that is perfectly okay. I was not clamoring for quickly to come back in the game last night. I, I was okay with him not playing a b- much last night if the same standard applies to everybody else, but it doesn't apply to everybody else. And it, and it, it's just bizarre because like quickly there's evidence in so many games this year, right. Of quickly being a driving force to us getting a win. Most notably yep. was recently was uh, the Washington comeback, right? Yep. When Tibbs pissed away the, the end of just the beginning and end of the first half. And then he pissed away the start of the second half because he had to fucking you know play the elf minutes and and just like and it's just stupid because okay this is the this is another example he starts elf and he starts frank for some reason at the two with him when burks is right there and and it which makes no sense to me um and and then frank struggles and elf struggles elf stays as a starting point guard he gets more minutes actually at from that point on and frank is just out of the rotation it it is bananas it makes no sense and if the point is to win games. You're not maximizing your odds of winning games to what he's doing. And I just feel like he's losing margins now. Like you can get away with losing margins against Minnesota, even though they did not right. You can get away with losing margins against the Orlando's of the world. Washington and these bad teams. You don't get away with it against a team like Brooklyn, even when they're shorthanded or like Milwaukee or Miami, like you're not going to get away with that. And it's also frustrating because we've seen him When shorthanded, actually coach better. Actually, make more creative adjustments. Like in the last extremely, yeah. In the last Brooklyn game, we were shorthanded. He played Randall at the five. He started switching screens more often. He, like, he knows how to. He's just he's like such. He's one of these football coaches that's like, well, I want to be a run first team, and it's like, yeah, but like, like fucking Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. Yeah, but we want to establish the run. Okay, but Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. It's like what what are we doing here?
2: What is the Well, in in fairness though, he doesn't like the the offensive personnel is limited. I don't think any any of us would argue that. And I think the guy, you know, it's he's it is quite clear that he over he relies a ton on the offensive personnel that he feels can actually do some stuff. Um Jeremy, did you did you think that the the minutes thing was going to become an issue this year before the season started. Are you, are you surprised by this?
3: No, not at all. In fact, I think we even talked about the idea of just how much they would play based on precedence. And, you know, I mean, again, like I, I'm conflicted on minutes because obviously you don't want to necessarily see your best players be out there. And yet the science doesn't necessarily dictate that playing them 37 minutes versus 32 minutes a night makes a significant injury, um, uh, you know, for injury sake, it, it's not a huge factor. We just don't really have significant data. We have the knowledge that like, you know, playing heavier minutes might hurt, but we don't know what the differential might be. And I always go back to kind of what Tibbs would talk about, which is if we play our best players, I think he said, actually, if your opponent plays their their best players for five more minutes more, and you lose those five minutes, that could be the difference of the game. Yeah. So you have to have those guys because we know that this is a limited roster the fact that they've won 25 games to me is fantastic, even though I thought they'd win more than what Vegas had. I wasn't expecting it to be on pace, you know, 32, 31, whatever it might be. So I think keeping that all into consideration, they're doing a fantastic job of propping the team up. And that's great because what we've gotten out of this season has been an all-star and a second year player who has become very quietly, uh, and according not to ESPN, but uh, nonetheless, uh, a very efficient and productive player. I did not
2: read
1: that article, and I will no, not read that article.
3: No one should. Um, they just, I, I'm convinced they did it for reactions, but uh, whatever. You're, so, you're
1: not a big John Collins guy?
3: Yeah, you know, not <laughs> not huge. Um, so that's, I, I'm not surprised. And I'm okay with it as long as they're okay with it. Because I think another thing as well is this idea of like, if these players felt that they were being run into the ground, then they'd probably speak up and they'd probably say to management, like I could use a little bit less time. And I'm sure that the, the, the the team would understand that the medical team, and they would relay that message to Tibbs and saying like, Hey, these guys, they, they could use a break. And I'm sure Tibbs would somehow find a way to incorporate that because there are moments where like with the blowout recently with Detroit, yeah, they certainly saved some time. They could have yeah. brought them back out there, especially when even if the game got close to twenty. We we saw Tibbs do that um, at one of the home games. Which one it was is, it? It was
2: another Detroit game,
3: right? Where yeah. it was like bringing them back. No, the Washington game where he brought them. Oh, back that too. In, yeah, <laughs> and it's the idea of like, okay, well, yeah. they could, a few times. They could probably win without bringing these guys in, but I understand if you feel that the momentum is seriously on Washington's side. And that this game is like very close to slipping away when we've seen in the past, leads can evaporate just like that. So, you know, again, like if the players are fine with it, I'm fine with it. And I know that uh, Randall joked about it saying like, uh, with the All-Star game, how he wasn't upset with his minutes distribution because of how many he's played. I fervently believe that there is a, there's at least a kernel of truth to every single joke, but I don't think it's to the point where Randall's like, I need to stop playing this many minutes because that's a problem. I, I'm sure Randall's thinking like I deserve to be playing these many minutes. I'm an all-star, damn it. I'm I'm contributing good basketball. I should be out there for as long as I can, and he's not going to get that opportunity in other places. And as long as he's happy with that, as long as he's comfortable playing those minutes, that's fine. That's okay by me.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm I trust their sports science. I don't I don't know, is it a department? I hope it's a department. Um, I trust whatever those people are saying to to Tibbs. I guess my area of concern is more like um last night, and I feel like this has been a talking point for a while amongst some people, but for me personally, last night was the first time I felt like Randall being visibly tired um impacted their ability to win the game. Um and I think you noticed that I went I went back and watched the last uh four and a half minutes of the third quarter today. And just like, why, you know, it, it, he was, why missing. do this to yourself. <laughs> I know. Don't ask. Uh, I, cause I had nothing else to write for the newsletter for, for uh, Wednesday. Um, you know, Did he you was write missing about,
1: like, your favorite bourbons or something.
2: I Maybe next week. Um, I've got, a great I want one to write right about now, your favorite way. bourbons. Actually, if you want, um, I've
3: got, I've got an answer for you. Delicious <laughs> bourbon. It's a nice maple flavor. It's beautiful. What is it? It's uh, it's a local brand, so we don't we don't oh. want to
1: encourage uh, underage drinking here, Jeremy.
3: <laughs> that's true. Well, I thought because I was in the presence of adults that it would be a little less frowned upon. Like you know, no, driving you upon. need your learner's permit. <laughs> as long as you're with people who are above 21, you could, I don't think some states you can go to a bar if you're 12 years old and drink, like Wisconsin. So, you know, anyway, this is Wisconsin. This is our Wisconsin. This is our Wisconsin the KFS. Um, anyway. Yeah.
2: So he, he I, I thought he looked tired and I thought he looked tired on offense in the third. I thought he was kind of dragging that like the, the, um, those segments of the game in the first half where him and Bullock were just like ping bang, you know, you know, the ball swinging like that was beautiful, and that wasn't happening at the end of the third quarter, and it led to the turnovers and like ball getting slapped away and whatnot. And then the fourth, he was just I don't know. I mean, uh, Bondi tweeted out that he thought he saw him limping. I guess you could kind of see it. MSG
3: cut on, to him but, at his knee, like kind of uh, tinkering was, with okay. the brace or whatever is, is there. So I don't know if it's necessarily exhaustion. It could just be the fact that as games go on he feels that contusion more and more, maybe it's well, putting pressure.
1: I think... So, like, here, here's my thing with the minutes stuff, okay? Uh, here's the top... I'm just going to read off the top 15 players, all right? Minutes per game, in order. Oh, yeah, I know where you're going. Gaines Gaines agree with Julius Randle, Fred VanVleet, Harrison Barnes, DeMontis Sabonis, Damian Lillard, Colin Sexton, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Jokic, Jamal Murray, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon, Pascal Siakam, Russell Westbrook. Like, the best you look at that list it's not all of the best players in the nba but it's a lot of very good players and a lot of those guys are the best players on their team they're basically they're the version of randall for you know washington toronto whatever teams that don't have multiple superstars that need those guys to be on the floor to be competitive if you go back last season and the year before go look at toronto's minutes per game guys okay yeah like they had like three of the top 10. It was like Lowry, Siakam, and Van Vliet, I think, last year. So, like, the best teams, no joke, guess what they do? They play their best players a lot of minutes. It's it's not that confusing. I don't think anything that is happening uh, is that – it doesn't really concern me that much. Like, Do you are, think it's more
2: just, like, related to this recent injury that he has, which is what I'm hoping it is? Um, so that's my hope.
1: I think that's part of it. I also think this is, like – a really weird season and the season yeah. is more condensed than it's been and like I mean if you are in a position to win like if there's an issue I have with Randall's minutes it is probably that like I think that he could I think he could probably buy him an extra minute or two of rest each game if he just staggered a little bit better Yeah, like that's one of my main criticisms of Tibbs coaching Um and like you know look ultimately at the end of the day as much as we bitch about elf and there's the margins and all this shit. Like he's probably winning a lot of margins that people don't want to give him credit for. Like the team is majorly outperforming what's happened. I think we've seen plenty of evidence of player development and good coaching. Like, I mean, look at Reggie Bullock. He's shooting the highest percentage of shots from three of his total shot distribution of his career, you look at somebody like Nerlens Noel. I and they're good
2: shots too, by the yeah, way. The shots really the, that shot. Reggie takes, you feel like they're going to go in.
1: Yeah, like if you look at like I, I'm not even looking at a stats. So if somebody wants to look this up, check it. I would bet like sixty billion uh, fucking federation credits uh, <laughs> that that Nerlens Noel is has the lowest f- uh, foul rate of his career. I would bet that um I i'll look uh, it up real quick yeah I, like i i think there's signs of like really good player development be it young guys or rookies that's happening on this or young guys or, or vets that's happening on this roster and he deserves a lot of credit for that and like i think it's important that we don't lose sight of that because of criticisms which i feel like is starting to happen now where like he's kind of being of he's getting a little bit of a victim of his of his own success here because the team has outperformed expectations so much. So I think people are like starting to be like, well, we should win this game. Like, why do we not win this? And I agree. Like he's making some mistakes, but let's be real. Like there are just because like, for example, I think the Knicks would have won the Minnesota game if quickly played longer. Okay. I have no way to prove that. I have no way to prove it. And all I can do is use the overall season sample to say, yes, yeah, see like this would happen. But each game is different. Maybe it's, I am missing stuff. I'm sure I'm, I know I'm missing stuff that, that Tibbs is seeing. Um, so like I, and, and, and also there's something to consider of like, there's parts of player development that us as fans will never, like, we won't understand it because we have never been in high leverage basketball situations in professional basketball organizations. Like, is there some benefit to him being a a short, you know, like short leashed hard ass with Obi Toppin as a rookie, with quickly as a rookie, well, with RJ like I mean RJ. Baird we'll is on find the out. We'll yeah. find out in a few years, right? And that and that's my point is like like we can be upset. Like and I, I I actually think what's really interesting is to look at um like I I look at like I've seen I'm sure you guys have seen right Warriors fans are just like losing their mind about Steve Kerr and he's garbage and he has no idea what he's doing. And he's murdering James Wiseman's confidence and stuff like that. And he's, you know, he, he, they, they don't have like that. He killed an entire season. They, they could have competed this year. And it's like, at least for me looking from the outside, I look at that and I'm like, you guys weren't winning shit this year anyway, because Clay Thompson's hurt. And James Wiseman is a 19 year old rookie who I didn't think was a very, I didn't think he was the second best prospect. I didn't, And if he was going to be good, it wasn't going to be in year one. So what are you really upset about? Like, like that he didn't eke out. He didn't fucking run Curry an extra three minutes per game to get like an extra four or five wins. Like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I
2: would be commending him for, for uh, leaning into the tank. That's what I'd be
1: doing. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's easy. And And I, and I guess my point is like, I think from the out, like when it's not your team, it's easier to look at that no, with we, some levity and like be like, yeah, that's it. I think for us, and I I'm guilty of it too, for sure. Like, I think when you're watching a game like last night, and I wanted them to win that game so bad last night because you got handed a gift. Like yeah. Harden was out. KD was out. Like, you know, I, I get it. And and look, Kyrie was just, you know, he, he had one of those games. He was amazing was last night. He was, he had a superstar game yesterday. Um, and, and like, it's frustrating to lose that. It, it, it sucks, especially it feels like that Minnesota loss really accelerated how shitty some of these losses feel now. Um, if we uh, had gotten that
2: loss, it would have, it would have dulled the pain I think of everything of like what, what has come since. Right.
1: Yeah, I think so. But, and I just, I just think that like we all should at least accept that like, this like this is why, like you know, people have been like, oh, this is why they should have made a move deadline. I literally don't give a shit because ultimately when I yep, zoom out like when I zoom out, I'm just like, well, this season really isn't about like like I want to keep assets so that when we're actually competitive and we're actually like in a competitive window, we have assets to to make those marginal moves and to get a player like. Like we don't need an Evan Fournier for this year. Like he's not at he's not doing anything for us this year. We're in agreement on something. Yeah, in in, in, two years, hopefully, hopefully in two years, hopefully this is beautiful. Hopefully in two years we're in a situation where we're like, man, if we can get that that 17 points per game guy to come off our bench, that can really get us into you know the top two three teams in the conference or beyond whatever it is. We're just not at that point. Like the moves, there was no star trade out there, right? Like the biggest name on the trade market that we could have gotten was Lonzo ball. And I'm, may, I like arguably
2: we, yeah. we don't, we don't know what the asking price and was.
1: I let's just say I'm pretty confident. We could, <laughs> we could have gotten him if we wanted him. I yeah. yeah. If we wanted him, we could have gotten him. Yes. So if happy. they wanted
2: him bad enough, they could yeah. have gotten him. And it may have been the wrong, it right. may have been the wrong and, move and, given and, the asking price.
1: Right. And, and my point is like, this is not like the only star who got traded, right? Was Vucevic. We were not. I don't think any Knicks fan is like big, I can't big believe. air quote energy there for. From- yeah, I mean, I love Vuj, but come on. Um, but like you know, I mean, and and I think there are Bulls fans that are already like who are excited when they made the move, who are already looking at it like, mm, are we sure this was the right move? Whatever. My point being is like it's, you know, and you mentioned this too. From what you, I think, I don't know. I don't want to misquote you, so correct me if I'm wrong. From what you understand, they did not expect to be this good this year. No, and right? that's and to your just so, real- so. So I just want to say this, and I'll shut the fuck up. Um, yeah. But I think they actually deserve, and and Tibbs deserves credit for this, and Leon deserves credit for this, that they didn't lose their minds. They didn't get so caught up in the excitement of of you know over outperforming expectations that they made a short i think they kept the eye on the target and i still believe i believe this for a while i think their target is when 2022 offseason comes around we want to be in a position to trade for a star or sign a star or whatever i think that is their goal and positioning themselves for that is their primary target right now